Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is Assemblyman John McDonald, who by profession is a pharmacist. And we're going to talk about the COVID vaccine. So, John, how are you? I'm good, Cynthia. It's good to, good to hear your voice and good to be talking to you. Thank you. So I read in the paper this morning that uh, the president is mandating vaccinations for, uh, up to, I think it's, what, 100 million people? So uh, tell us a little bit about what will happen. So let me just qualify my comments by saying that I have not actually read the exact orders. I've read pretty much what you've read and still waiting for a little more information to be available. But the reality is from the 10,000 foot level, the president is recognizing the fact that we still have not really gotten a full handle on COVID. And therefore, extraordinary times means extraordinary measures. And this is why he's put forth a, a really a six point plan in many aspects, but particularly the one that resonates with a lot of people or has meaning to a lot of people is the vaccine mandate, which is for businesses where there's greater than 100 employees or greater and all federal employees. And by the way, that also, I believe, includes the contractors and vendors that deal with the federal government, which helps you get to that 100 million very, very quickly. So the interesting part is that we are still seeing, and, and Cynthia, here in the capital region, we have been, if not every day, pretty much every day, the region in the state with the highest percentage of positivity rates. And, you know, I follow the numbers that are released daily. And, you know, when we had kind of gotten to that quiet period, we were only testing 60 to 70,000 people a day statewide. Now we're up to 160, 170,000 up to almost 200,000, and we're seeing positivity rates that used to be down to like 0.3% that are now up to 4.3, So obviously the Delta variant is tricky. Um, yes, we're fortunate to have a lot of our freedoms back in place, pretty much all of them when you really think about it. Um, but we still have people getting sick. We still have people being hospitalized, going into the ICU, being intubated. And unfortunately, whereas we were down to almost one death a day, only just one short month ago, we have been averaging between 20 and 30 a day since that time. Um, you know, some people will say well, that's not a lot. A 20 to 30 a day. Now, some people will say you? that's not a lot compared to the beginning. I said, well, that may be true, but I will say this. To the family members who've lost that loved one, it's an awful right. lot. Sure. Now, when you say 20 to 30, are you talking just New York or are you talking nationwide? No, New York. New York. New York. New York. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. Now, you know, the thing that concerns me is they're saying that children 12 or under will not get vaccinated or it hasn't been, you know, put into practice yet. But, you know, 12 and under and the kids going back to school, that's a breeding ground for tragedy. Wouldn't you agree? 
Well, I think the chance for greater positivity is going to only increase, and therefore we need to be very mindful of that. Now, the reason that children 12 and under are not vaccinated at this time is for the reason that the vaccine, even the, you know, whether it's the FDA approved or the EUA, the emergency use, has not been um, proven to be safe, has been has not been approved to be safe in children as of yet. So it's it's an issue of, you know, safety is first, and that's what we're primarily focusing on. And that hasn't been proven yet. Those studies are underway, um, and hopefully they will be sooner rather than later, so that way parents can start to make that decision about their child, which many are very anxious. Yeah. What, what I, what we had planned to do this show, and I had called you, this was before the president spoke, and my my concern at that point was if this is on the increase and it's hurting people and it's making people sick and it's making people die, what if if the New York State can mandate seatbelts to save lives? What was what? What took them so long to mandate the vaccine, which will also save lives? Well, one of the challenges has been that the vaccine was never has not until recently, and it's only Pfizer at this stage of the game has gotten full FDA approval, and that means something. To be honest with you, Cynthia, an emergency use authorization is during is you know was because it was an emergency and. You know, for a while, the last couple months, the emergency kind of stifled down, but it's starting to pick back up again. But to mandate a vaccine that does not have full FDA approval would be the first in this country in our nation's history to do. So I, that that's the reason why it's taken so long. Um, now that Pfizer's is approved under the name of Comintry, um, once that's available, I think you're going to see more push towards vaccination. I think that's why the president's being more forceful about it. And, you know, I get it. I, I do want to mention one thing that, you know, when I talk about need to read all the details, I, I really want to also look at, you know, in many of these mandates, what's often forgotten is that there are going to be circumstances, and they are legitimate circumstances, where there's medical reasons why people should not get the vaccine. It's not a lot, but to that person who's got that issue, it's a major thing. And there are going to be, in certain circumstances, religious exemptions that are legitimate. And I'm anxious to see if the president is accounting for that in this discussion, and that has not been disclosed as of yet. You raised some good points, but, you know, and you're raising valid points, but then there's people who flat out will not get the vaccine because they don't want to have the freedom freedoms infringed upon. What do you say to that? That's fine. If people want to have those principles, this is America. They have a right to free speech and to have their own thoughts. However, there may be other restrictions or consequences involved with that that they need to be mindful of and we need to be thoughtful about how we go ahead and, and implement those. You, you know, know, at the end of the day there's another component that there are there are, you know, I hear this particularly in the healthcare field. A lot of women, young women who are looking to have children are concerned about long term effects. And I can tell you this, 
the emergency use authorization vaccines have been administered in over 175 million people in this country. That is by far the greatest experience we could ever hope for for a vaccine, many of which have been on the market for tens of twenties of years. However, one of the concerns that I can't honestly say don't worry about is what are the long-term impacts. So therefore, you do have a lot of young women, uh, nurses, doctors, who are of childbearing years that are looking to have a child that actually are raising legitimate concerns. And although we will encourage them to continue to get the vaccine, I could see in those circumstances where they would want to resist. And I, I have to respect that because at the end of the day, we still have to go back to what we're trying to address, which is co- which is herd immunity. And if we can get 70 to 80 percent, we're doing much better. So now I'm just going to right now as I'm talking to you, I just got the daily update from the governor's office. Forty three individuals in New York State died yesterday. Forty three individuals. Wow. Wow. That's 43 too many as far as I'm concerned. I I don't disagree with you. You know, because there's unfortunately fatalities, but there's also the people that are long haulers. And um, I was going to have my friend, um, retired Dr. Peter Cookson on during this conversation, but he has problems with his phone. And, you know, we've talked and we've done shows for quite a while about COVID. And um, I believe that before this even became, you know, um, talked about on the news and stuff, when people get together, I'm sure that there was uh, a spread at that point. And before all this hit the, the, the press, I developed the worst case of pink eye you had ever seen. My eyes were a mess. And within the past couple of weeks, I've had trouble breathing when I walk. And my friend Peter is telling me that I'm a long hauler. What, what, what do you say to that? Uh, well, I once again, I don't get into individuals' personal health care issues. You know, I usually it's a one-on-one conversation. I need to know a little bit more about that. Um, I know uh, Peter. I don't know. I, I, I know Peter. I know him well. I don't know if he's qualified to be making that that qualification either. But that being said. Those are situations that are best addressed with an individual and their health care practitioner. Okay. But what I'm saying is uh, the pink guy was a year and a half ago, and now I developed something else. And, you know, even though I did get my vaccine, this this problem is going to be with us for a, a long time. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. 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 No doubt about that. So, you know, And I think it's something, you know, COVID will be for you and I and probably those 25 and above, it'll be with them the rest of their lives one way or the other. That's pretty frightening because it just happens so quickly. One day, you know, you're out and about, and then the next day in March of 2020, everything was closed down. 
And, yep. and you know, another, another thing is, you know, you and I are happy to be out and about. And, you know, restaurants and theaters and stuff, everything seems to be open. Do you think that, think that's safe? It's a delicate balancing point from my perspective, Cynthia. We need to make sure that we learn to live during these COVID times, and we need to do it safely and responsibly. Um, You know, I think business owners each are making their own individual decisions on what they can and cannot support. Um, You want to make sure you have a safe environment, an environment that's very open to people. Um, And at the same token, we we need to make sure that our – our economy continues to evolve because the reality is I don't know how much longer we can rely on the federal government to basically run our lives in regards to supporting it financially. It's been a, I don't think people have an appreciation of the billions and billions of trillions of dollars that have been pushed out the door. And at some point, if we're not careful, and I know that's not the average person concerns, but at some point the United States will be at an economic disadvantage to the other countries of the world, which is something we should be very mindful of. Um, so um, do, you, do you foresee do you foresee businesses shutting down again? Because if COVID is, if the variant is, is on the loose, then people are going to get very, very sick again. Do you see business? Go ahead. I, I'd like to think not. I think many businesses that are still open today learned their lesson. They have changed their business to work during these times. Um, I'd like to think that um, they're going to be able to continue to to survive and thrive because, Cynthia, the the average person wants to get back to living their lives more fully. I, I think you know mm-hmm. you and I can both agree because we talk regularly that I don't think we really enjoyed being restricted by any stretch of the imagination, even the simplest little things. So I think you know businesses are going to adapt and continue to evolve and. You know, that's that's the hallmark sign of a strong business anyways, and I think that they'll continue to do so. I, I certainly do not expect us to get anywhere near where we were um, back in the spring of 2020. You know, a couple, I think it was like a week ago, two weeks ago, there was a special session of the state legislature, and two assembly members tested positive for COVID. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, that's still gonna that's still gonna happen, right? I mean, when you have a, a body of 150 um, members and then 62, 63 Senate members all crowded into one room, that's the recipe for disaster, wouldn't you say? Well, the the two members that tested positive did not contract the virus here in Albany. They you know, the, the incubation period is usually five to seven days. So they did not contract it here in Albany. The concern is, did they spread it? And to date, I've not heard of anybody else um, doing it. And don't forget, 
we have safety protocols in place, so it's not like all 150 members show up and walk into the chamber. It's usually groups of 10 to 15 that go in, go out, go in, go out. So we're going to have to just live a little bit, a little bit carefully, until we get to a point where we're past that. So when will when will all these vaccine mandates uh, be implemented? Uh, you got to remember, there's a couple things. There's the president's directive, which I don't really know the effective date of that. I don't know if I've seen that yet. But then it's going to be a function of are the FDA-approved vaccines available, which I think is what he's focusing on. And right now there's only one out there, which is Comintry, which is uh, the Pfizer product. Um, there will be other products out there um, by Moderna and Johnson Johnson at some point, but they're not ready yet. They haven't even submitted for review, which is usually a good one or two month period to be reviewed. You know, I would think so, maybe the end of the year, more likely the, the first quarter of next year. Okay, so I got the Pfizer. So for people who got Moderna and uh, Johnson and Johnson, are you telling me that they are not FDA approved? <laughs> the Pfizer you received? The Moderna uh-huh. and the Johnson Johnson others have received have all been under what's called an EUA, an emergency use authorization. It's not it's 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 just short of an FDA approval. It is approved by the FDA as an EUA, but it's not approved as a vaccine in the traditional mechanism in the past. And historically when vaccines have been mandated, they were fully FDA approved. So there's a slight change it's not a different product. It's the same exact product, but there's a slight change in regards to its level of approval. You know, I, I don't want to put it on a grading level, but it's the difference between an A and an A+. plus. Okay. The A-plus is the final seal. Now, there's been millions of people who have been vaccinated, and hopefully there will be millions more who will be vaccinated. And you go go get your vaccinate, vaccination you go to your place, you get the shot, you leave. Who's picking up the tab for this? The federal government. That's got to cost a pretty penny, right? Uh, yeah, it sure does. I I, I would think. It, I, I have no idea what the cost is, to be honest with you. We don't buy the vaccine. We receive the vaccine. Okay. And do you think that will always be the case? No, I foresee in the future what I foresee, and there's already some investigation and trials going on with this. I do believe your annual fall shot, when you get the flu shot in the fall, will be a mix of influenza and and COVID in the future. But that won't be this year. It may be next year, more likely be the year or two after. I would do want to mention this to people who are always short on time. Um, I just attended another of CDC event yesterday, and you can receive at the same time, even in the same arm, both your annual flu shot and your uh, COVID vaccine. So that's important for people to know that because come after September 20th, people will, many people, not all, but many will start to be eligible for their third booster dose. Okay. And if you're going to be protecting yourself against one 
viral disease, you might as well protect yourself against another. But at the same time, the uh, children are going to school, I want to say, unprotected. Well, they, and they, they I, have ma- obviously, they're in a mask environment to help limit the spread yes. of vaccine. Uh, the children are the ones who are least vulnerable to having the adverse impacts of COVID. But same token, they need to be in school. They cannot go another year doing remote or virtual learning. It's just, it, it's not... It's not as good as being in the classroom with the teacher. From your perspective as a health care practitioner, are you worried about the spread of COVID with the younger children? I'm watching it very carefully. I'm looking at the data and the facts that are coming across. I am encouraging. I just finished this morning vaccinated more children at some of the middle and high schools in our region. And I'll be doing that in, in the charter schools here in Albany, um, particularly in our, our neighborhoods that have access issues. So I'm going to always advocate for that. I'm going to support that. I don't want to mandate things, but I'm really going to encourage people to do so because I do believe you get more participation if people understand what they're doing and why they're buying in. You know, that, that's that been a concern of mine for a long time. Why is the government hesitant to mandate. I mean, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, there are extenuating circumstances. Granted, I know that, but at the same time, if you can prove that being vaccinated would be harmful for you, but if not, why not mandate it? Well, why not? As I mentioned earlier, you can't mandate something that has not been FDA approved. That would be the first in our nation's history. I do think that's pretty close, and I think we need to be fo- focused on that. Um, but um, we're not there yet. Okay. So, uh, so for people who are looking for mandates, such as myself, we just have to be patient and let this play out. Would you agree? I think as each and every day, new information becomes available that will help us move in the right direction. I think we need to be, I know it's difficult to say to be patient because, quite frankly, our patience is worn out. But I do think um, we need to be mindful of that, the fact that we still have, we, we still have a lot more questions to be answered, and hopefully those questions will be answered sooner rather than later. Okay, so what do you what do you see as long term um, long term thing with COVID? Because we're get going into the fall, then there'll be the holidays, and then it'll be cold. What do you envision? Boy, I don't know if I've got that crystal ball shiny yet today, to be honest with you. I do think that we're going to continue to see this ebb and flow, maybe not as smooth as the oceans, the waves of the ocean, but I do think we're going to see peaks and troughs. We're going to see times where we're going to have to really be more vigilant than the normal. But I do think what you're going to see, and you're seeing it with people like me, is I wear a mask more often when I'm in public. I wear a mask Mm -hmm. definitely when I'm more indoors, and I'm doing it to protect myself and to protect my family and my loved ones. And I think 
that's really the approach people need to be taking. I really do think that's the approach, is that let's make sure we're we're doing the right thing. People can have their principles, and I get it, but but I think we need to be, you know, ever vigilant. So, you know, we've had a new governor for a couple of weeks now. Do you think she is I I'm I'm pretty sure she's competent. Uh what what adjective would you use strong enough? Strong enough to withstand all the stuff that's going to be thrown at her because of COVID. I think she's on top of it. She grasps things very quickly, and she makes decisions. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, she's building her team, making sure she's got the right people around her at this stage of the game. But I I do think that she's very competent and able to address things very quickly, process them, and make the right decision for the people. You know, despite the the, uh, nursing home situation, and this is this might um, I might be putting you in the hot seat. Do you think that Cuomo did a, an effective job of keeping the numbers down with COVID? I think the governor. You know, you look at the spring of 2020. Really did a very good job of communicating what was going on. And people actually, to my surprise, followed it because you were. I kept watching this and saying, he's basically telling people I'm going to restrict what you do. Um, it's always, it's very difficult to explain how it could have been much worse, but it could have been much worse. Um, mm-hmm. I have the luxury of looking at information from all the other states in this country. And New York State for being one of the first ones up that were truly impacted by COVID-19. We did an adequate job. However, all the efforts of the governor were lost because of the fact that, and something that we made very clear to them you need to address, is this disparity between the number of deaths being reported to the CDC and the number of deaths the state was reporting on a daily basis. There was a disparity. And it was an inconsistency. And it raised doubts. And and it it really question it really put his credibility at risk, and that's really you know what what I think was problematic. Right. You know, so, people want to trust. When it comes to certain things, you don't mess with. One is healthcare, and the other is public safety. And the healthcare right. one he messed with. But when you consider COVID a public safety issue, also. Uh, it's both. Yeah, it's both when you really think about it. So, you know, the mandates are going to come into effect in a couple of weeks, and the children are back in school. So I would like to have you back on Focus on Albany as this whole crisis evolves. Um, it sounds good, Cynthia. Sounds good to me. Thank you. So you've been listening to Assemblyman John McDonald. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. 
Um, John, thank you for being on Focus on Opening. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.